Today we, uh, we continue our series called God-Hearted. The first two messages we heard came from Devin Adi. And now i got to tell you, the other day I was corrected on how to say his name. I've been saying Devin Ott for months, and I call him Devin Ott for months, and so the other day I was corrected, it's actually Devin Ottie, and I was like, I wish I would have known that. So Devin Ottie and Steve DeVries, and then next week, uh, Jason Harris wraps up the series for us. Today, I want to look at one of the famous I am statements of Jesus, because I think this one I am statement really reveals to us the heart, the depth of God's heart. Now you may say, what is an I am statement? Well, in John's gospel, the gospel of John, Jesus gave us seven different pictures of who Jesus is, and we see these pictures and these I am statements that Jesus made. For instance, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, you will never hunger again. He said, I am the gate or I am the door by which you enter. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness again. And he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can't do anything. And so today, I want to walk through just this one I am statement because I believe it reveals the heart of God. John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me even, will live even though he dies. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 11. When Jesus made this statement, it was in a very difficult situation going on. The people in this story are dealing with a curveball, so to speak, of life. Have you ever noticed that life throws curveballs at you? You ever notice that you have a plan and a direction, you think this is where I'm going and where I'm happening, and then things don't seem to go the way you hoped or the way you had planned, all of a sudden there's a curveball, perhaps through no fault of your own, it seems like life gets you sidetracked, or perhaps you're not where you thought you'd be at right now at this stage of life. Some of the big sidetrackers can be something like an illness that hits you, that it wasn't on your plan, and now you have that curveball. For some, it's a relationship that has gone sour, or marriage problems that you're facing, or possibly divorce that you've walked through, or unexpected death of a loved one, or a job loss, or unforeseen bills, just to name a few. But we know as we walk through life, curveballs come. And it can cause us to worry, they they can get us discouraged, they can get us to lose our hope, they can get us sidetracked from our walk with Christ. I want us to look at two stories in the Bible this morning. I hope these two stories will change the way you look at life's curveballs because you'll start to really see the heart of God and who God is. No matter how much life gets you off track, at least from our viewpoint, because that's what happens many times, it's from our viewpoint, from how we're looking at life, even if we've messed up our whole life, there is hope in the resurrection because nothing is impossible for God. And here's God's heart I want you to understand today, that Jesus is our hope when we feel hopeless. When you feel like life has just fallen apart and you're having no hope, you're feeling completely hopeless, I want you to know 
that Jesus is your hope. Look at your text with me in John chapter 11. I hope you have your Bible with you because we're going to dive through quite a bit of Scripture here today. I want to read this account because we need to catch it as a whole story. It's one whole event that took place. It's a real true story. And then we're going to dive back in and look at some aspects of the story. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there. And so he's like, I'm going to go back to the place I just came from. Jump down to verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort in their loss of their brother. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in a resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. When Mary reached that place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And then Jesus said, see how he loved him. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the gray clothes and let him go. Bow your heads with me. Father God, we're going to open up this text today, this scripture. Lord, we want to dive into this and understand this I am statement, that I am the resurrection and life. 
And God, there is so much meaning in this, and there's so much that reveals to us who you are and shows us your heart. And so, Lord, I just pray that you open our hearts and our minds. Sometimes, Lord, we come into this place and our hearts are heavy or our hearts are stressed or our hearts are distracted. Our hearts are worried. Sometimes our, our hearts are just, uh, war, uh, just, just wandering. Father, I pray you help us to focus the depths of our heart, the depth of our mind, the depth of our soul today so that we hear from you. Lord, it's not by accident we're here today, so help us to hear from you. Help us to to be hearers, and then help us to be doers of your word today, Father. ask that you speak this message through me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus' friends, Mary and Martha, sent a messenger to Jesus to let them know that their friend, their brother, Lazarus, was sick. His friend. By the time Jesus received that message, Lazarus was probably already dead. And rather than rushing to the town of Bethany to be with Martha and Mary, Jesus continues the ministry for two more days. He's like, I'm going to get there, but I got some other things to take care of. And so he doesn't just go running to their side. And by the time he had arrived in Bethany, Lazarus had already been dead for how many days? Four days. He's already been in the grave for four days. And when Jesus was at the edge of town, Martha heard of Jesus' arrival, and she went to greet him, and look at the words out of her mouth in verse 21. If you had been here, my brother would have not died. I think she's upset. If you would have been here, Jesus, he wouldn't be in that grave. Why weren't you here? This is your fault. Can you see the intense discussion with her and Jesus? You could have prevented this. But also, there's this huge statement of faith in that statement because of her belief in Jesus' ability to heal. If you were here, Jesus, surely you would have healed Lazarus. So there's a belief that you would have prevented this and he would not be dead. Because the events did not happen the way Martha and her sister Mary had anticipated. In her mind, she must have thought, surely Jesus will show up and he'll save the day, and he'll make everything better, and he'll heal my brother. But that isn't what happened. Jesus didn't make it to Bethany in time. In fact, Jesus probably delayed his trip two extra days so that he wouldn't show up until four days after Lazarus had died. And life was not going the way that Martha had hoped. Her brother wasn't supposed to die. After all, he was Jesus' good friend. How could Jesus allow something like this to happen to a friend? And even her expectations of Jesus were shattered because Jesus did not do what Martha thought he should do. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times in my life when I've wondered, Jesus, or you talk to God, and you say, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Has anyone else ever asked that question? Why, God? Why now? Why this? Why this situation? I I thought you were my friend and that you cared about me. Sometimes it feels like God lets us down, if we're honest. Sometimes we wonder, God, where are you? Even if we may have deserved what we received, we still think God would have helped us out somehow. God, I made a bad choice, but you could have rescued me out of that. However, God doesn't always respond in the way that we expect. 
He doesn't always respond the way we want him to. I told you I want us to look at two stories from the Bible. Let me give you just the highlights of the second story, because most of us, I would say in this room, are familiar with it, about the death of Jesus. See, instead of dying of sickness like Lazarus, Jesus was intentionally killed. Intentionally killed. Jesus was, a, was arrested by religious leaders while he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, betrayed by one of his very own disciples. And the religious leaders wanted Jesus dead because he called God his Father. He made himself even equal to God. In their ears, that was blasphemy. It was like speaking in profanities about God. And they believed that he deserved death. And after a sham of a trial, they brought Jesus before the Roman governor Pilate who flogged Jesus 39 times with a, a lead or ceramic tipped whip. And as you can imagine, most people would not survive that. Yet it wasn't enough for the crowd and they wanted him sentenced to death. And so they shouted out what? Crucify him. Put him on the cross. And Jesus was sentenced to death, carrying his own cross through the streets of, of Jerusalem to Golgotha and was nailed on it and crucified alongside of two criminals. And after six hours of hanging on a cross from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., Jesus died. Gave up his last breath. Two wealthy followers of Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, took his body placed it in a newly cut tomb, never used before, rolled a huge stone in front of it to seal off the tomb. Again, a curveball. Only this time it was with Jesus' followers, his friends who were sidetracked. They didn't expect their king to become a martyr. They didn't expect their king who was going to rescue them to, to give his life. Events didn't go as they had planned. Jesus was supposed to become king. He was supposed to be the Messiah, the Son of God. He wasn't supposed to die, and their lives were sidetracked because some things changed. I'm sure they were wondering, what are you doing now? God, what is, what is going on? In both situations... Life was not going as they had planned. From their viewpoint at that time, it seemed as though God's plan had failed, that God has, has just let them go, that, that the plan had been derailed. And fortunately, we know neither of these stories end, end with it being derailed. In both cases, Jesus did something that was incredible, that no one expected they, they didn't see it coming. Jesus brought hope that God had planned something better for their life. And God's plan was not sidetracked at all. God was going to use the situation to reveal His glory. In the movie, The Passion of the Christ, came out several years ago. There's a scene where Jesus is carrying the cross on Golgotha, Calvary, to Via Della Rosa. Jesus stumbles and His mother Mary comes before Him and holds Him. And they do a flashback of His childhood when Mary picked Him up after He had fallen and, is, and He says to His mother, I make all things new. Now that event's not recorded in the Bible, but the words He said are true. Jesus brings hope in the bleakest of situation because He makes all things new. See, in the first story, Jesus said to Martha, your brother's going to rise again. Almost kind of like, Martha, calm down. Take a chill pill. Going to rise again. Jesus did not see Lazarus' death as God's derailed plan. 
Rather, Jesus knew that God had a better plan all along because there was hope. Unfortunately, Martha misunderstood what Jesus was saying. She thought Jesus was saying one of those comforting things to people, like at a funeral when you could say, now we can rejoice because we know that they're with the Lord now. We know it's going to be okay. This person is now with Christ. We've all, if you've been at a funeral of a loved one who's a Christian, you've heard words like that. What Jesus meant was, your brother will rise today. She wasn't grasping that. We know Martha misunderstood Jesus because she replied, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Martha believed Lazarus would rise again on the day of the resurrection, but she had no clue that Jesus meant that he would see the glory of God on that exact day. That life was going to come back into his body. Verse 25, chapter 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? See, what Martha did not realize at the moment was that not only would there one day be a resurrection in the body, but she was at that moment standing directly in front of resurrection itself. Standing right in front of Jesus. And all the power to resurrect, to bring back to life, to transform and to make new was in the hands of the one with whom she was at that moment talking with. Think about that. In the dark valley of the shadow of death she had entered just four days earlier was about to be visited by the one person on the planet who possessed the power greater than death. Jesus said there was one and only condition to receive this promise. He said, believe. Believe that I am the one who gives life even in the midst of death. Believe that I am the one who gives eternal life so you will never die even though your physical body decays. Believe in me. And Martha's response showed her faith and her lack of faith. She said, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. Matter of fact, to us, that's probably a pretty normal statement of faith, something that most of us have confessed, that we believe that Christ is the Savior, the Son of God. Jesus asked her to believe that He is the resurrection and the life, though. Did she really believe that Jesus could do something about her brother who was dead for four days? See, when Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, He ordered them to move the stone away from the tomb, and Martha was the first one to protest. Look at verse 39. But Lord, by this time there's a bad odor. You know what the correct translation is in the Greek? But Lord, he stinketh much. I love it. He stinketh much. Some of you all say that to your teenagers. You stinketh much. Hit the shower. Although the other day we had a party at our house and one of the moms was saying, these shoes stinketh much. After my five-year-old was running around in those shoes. For he has been there for four days, she says. She puts up the protest. Even though she believed Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, she still doubted Jesus had the power to bring him from death to life. Sure, Jesus had the power to heal, but, but boy, this was so different. And accordingly, according to early Jewish writings, they believed that the soul of a person did not leave the body until three days after death, but now we're at the fourth day, and after three days were up, the soul left, and they were gone for good, or at least until the day of resurrection. And Lazarus had been dead for four days. So in Martha's mind, there's no way, because this soul of 
my brother is totally gone. In Martha's mind, not even Jesus, no act of God could bring my brother back to life because he was too far gone. Do you think your problems are too far gone for the Son of God is the question to wrestle with today. See, when I look at the heart of resurrection that I see in God, and I see in our Father God, I see that He can take our problems and He can resurrect them and make them new again. And that no problem is too far gone. Do you think the curveball in your life is beyond Jesus' ability? Whether it's a busted relationship, a marriage that's gone, or a child that's too far gone. Is it too far gone for God to resurrect it again? A job? Your health? Do you think you're too far gone for Jesus to bring back from the dead? Not, not literally, of course, but bring back from the dead what's happening inside of your life? Do you think he can make it new again? See, maybe you think you've messed up your life too much. Maybe you look at your life and you go, man, my past is so dirty, or my stupid mistakes I made this week, or my sin is so full of this. And you start thinking, there's no way God can do something with me. Stop and look at the life of Lazarus. He stinketh much. And some of us, because of our own choices, sometimes we stinketh much. Sometimes because of choices that are not ours, we stinketh much. Sometimes because of stuff that has happened outside of our control, we still stinketh much. But I want you to know today, the heart of God is He wants to resurrect you again. He wants to take what seems like hopeless situation and give you hope. He wants to make it new again. Look at verse 40. Jesus says, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Jesus was saying, If you believe I am the resurrection and the life, you will move this stone away from the tomb and you will witness the power of the glory of God. You allow me to do my thing in your brother's life. I love what happens next. They move the stone. It's an act of faith. And Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus! Come out! It wasn't just, hey, Lazarus, come on out of the grave. It wasn't that. He had been dead for four days. And he speaks loudly, Lazarus! Come on out of this grave, Lazarus. And by raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus proves that nothing is impossible. Not even death is impossible to overcome because He is the resurrection and the life. And Lazarus, after four days wrapped up in funeral clothes, he emerges from the tomb full of health. Can you imagine the stories that Lazarus has to share? You know you have stories to share though? If you believe He is the resurrection and the life and you see that He has done work in your life, you have stories to tell. That's a testimony. You can say, I once was this. This is, was my life, but now God has done this. I would love to hear your story. We would love to have your story shared here in our church of how God has redeemed and restored. John's Gospel tells us that Jesus is even the author of life. He helped God the Father create the world in the beginning. He helped create you. John 1.4 tells us that in Him, that's Jesus, in Him is life. It should not surprise us that nothing is impossible for Him. Nothing. On a Sunday morning almost 2,000 years ago, Mary Magdalene and Simon Peter and John went to the tomb of Jesus and they discovered it was empty. 
Jesus' body was gone. The only things left behind were the burial clothes, which were neatly wrapped where Jesus had had laid them. Not even death could contain him. On that day when Jesus rose from the tomb, it was like an exclamation point on Jesus' statement to Martha that I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus demonstrated that he didn't just have the power to bring people back from the dead only to die once again. Lazarus was given life, but eventually he would die again. But in Jesus' resurrection that he proved he had and has power over death itself because Jesus never died again. He rose from the grave and now he ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus has a new body, a resurrected body, a new life which death could never conquer again. I believe Jesus wants us to realize that very power of resurrection and life in Him and He's still very much alive today. This resurrection and life is available to us if what? If we believe. Like Jesus' reply to Martha, if you only believe you would see the glory of God. Jesus wants us to know there's hope in any and every situation for every person because Jesus is alive. That's God's heart. Do we believe it? Do we believe that He can restore what's broken, that He can repair? If Jesus, through His own death and resurrection, has made this resurrection life available to us today, don't you think Jesus can bring hope into our hopeless situations? Absolutely. Don't you think that Jesus can resurrect broken relationships and broken marriages and broken bodies? Don't you think Jesus can resurrect hopeless situations and hopeless people? And most importantly, do you believe Jesus can resurrect and bring new life to you? It's not just a one-time event. It's not just a one-time event where we say, yes, I believe He is the Son of God. And I surrender my life to Him. And I'm buried in watery grave of baptism. It's not a one-time event. It's an ongoing lifestyle to say, I believe in Him as my Savior, but I believe He can restore my life day in and day out. He was not just referring in this life or just to eternal life. He's referring to what He does in our lives every single day. And as Jesus promised, if we believe He is the resurrection life, even though we die, we shall live. We have hope that our lives will not end in death because of resurrection. I want you to think about the curveballs you've experienced in life. Or maybe a curveball you're walking through right now. The broken expectations, the lost dreams. Is it possible that God has allowed you to endure these experiences so Jesus can bring you to the tomb and ask you, do you believe? Do you believe I can take your life situation and do something different? Do you believe I am the Christ? Do you believe I am the Son of God? Do you believe I am the resurrection of life? Will you trust that through Jesus that nothing is impossible? That's the heart of God. No situation, no person, nothing is too far beyond God's power and grace to save us. Now, look at the piece of artwork that's on the screen. God-hearted learning to love like Christ. You say, well, what's this part of learning to love like Christ? See, when we understand God's heart, that nothing is impossible, do we believe that for ourselves? But let me ask you, do you believe that for others? See, learning to love like Christ means then I'm going to believe that for others. I'm going to believe that 
the person who hates me, the person who is evil to me, the child who has gone wayward, the situation that's going on, I'm going to help other people to then grab on a guard's heart and say, you know what, I want you to know that there's nothing that's impossible for God. That's how we learn to love like Christ. We carry that message to other people. He can even forgive you and me and give us new life and life eternally if we believe. And He can do that for others. But when we understand the heart of God, then that's the message we carry as Christians in this world. The question to you this morning is, do you truly believe? Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we look at this text, we look at this story, and it kind of hits us directly in the face, Lord. Hits us directly in the face when we hit life situations. Are we going to doubt? Are we going to have a lack of faith? Are we really going to believe that nothing is impossible for God? And God, we look at this account with Lazarus and Jesus bringing him back to life.